Well, it is great to be back with you. We had a good two weeks off visiting family. It was good to see my uh, parents. My mom is finally home from rehab. Uh, she'd been there for about seven weeks after having a hip replaced, so I appreciate those of you who were able to pray for her and think of her. And now she begins a whole new stage of recovery, but uh, it's great that my dad's up and about and taking care of those things. And it was also great to see Cindy's mom and her family up in New Hampshire. Uh, so we just really appreciate uh, a church family that gives us time away to replenish, uh, rejuvenate, and get ready to get back into it when we get back here. So we're really uh, thankful for that time away. And uh, how did that get up there? I don't know. Excuse me. So anyway, but let's keep going on. Don't be distracted by that. Who did that? Anyway, you know, we are in our Born in the USA series. And we're wrapping that up in the next couple weeks. Uh, we're going to be talking about prayer. And then when we uh, finish that, we're going to take two weeks. And two of the messages you did not hear um, from Craig Fischel last week and the week before, uh, two of his four parts in his series, we're going to cover those week. I'm going to use his outlines. I think he has some really good things to share with us through that. And then we're going to get into three, se three um, series for the fall. And I think you're going to find them just uh, really exciting, really challenging, uh, making you and I really think through some things and also really encouraging as we lead into Christmas. And uh, so can you believe it? On a hot day like this, I kind of like the idea of it being a little cooler. But uh, that's kind of where we're going. But uh, this morning, uh, we're working on this idea of born in the USA, nowhere to run, ain't got nowhere to go. And today, we're going to look at prophecy. And uh, prophecy can be one of those subjects that uh, is kind of a little out there at times. Uh, sometimes it uh, seems really uh, in our faces. Uh, sometimes it feels like we don't give enough time to it or too much time to it or whatever. And this morning it's going to be a little, uh, maybe even a little controversial as we talk about uh, what I think uh, we should do as Christ followers, how we interact with uh, prophecy and how does those passages show up in the way you and I live in the world we live in. And again, Daniel teaches us that we just don't have to survive in the world we live in, we can thrive. And his situation was uh, so much more difficult than ours. He doesn't pull back, disengage from society. He actually leans into his culture and points to Christ or actually points to God in such a way that uh, it's very powerful. And I think that same opportunity is available for you, for you and me. So let's uh, begin our time in prayer, and then we'll jump into this subject. Uh, Great Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the writings of Daniel, the fact that he wrote his memoirs and uh, wrote some of the stories, some of the things that he was a part of, his friends were a part of, and how uh, they just shake out and how he really uh, didn't shrink back from culture, but at the same time, uh, wasn't, wasn't protesting it all the time. He, he's able to navigate a really difficult, dark time in a way that your name is lifted up and others get a glimpse of who you are. And then there's also this section on prophecy where you give him a glimpse of future things. And so as we, as we start to think about looking at that, uh, we just ask for uh, your wisdom. Uh, we also think of uh, some of the other churches in our area that are gathering in the next hour or have already gathered. Uh, Lord, we think of uh, Finger Lakes Fellowship with Jerry uh, up in Seneca Falls, and we pray for them this morning. We think of Calvary Chapel with Ray uh, in Seneca Falls, and Lord, we just ask that uh, they're having a good morning. We also think of uh, Living Hope as they have a new pastor, Fred, and we just ask that uh, as they continue to walk through that process and discover who each other uh, are and all of that, we pray that they would just be good years ahead for them. We also think of uh, Dave up at Waterloo Baptist Church as they have their service today. Uh, we think of uh, Dale out at uh, Assembly of God in Geneva. And then moving this way, we think of our friends down in Interlaken. We think of the Interlaken Reformed Church with Dave. And we also think of First Baptist in Interlaken with Jesse as he officially becomes their full-time uh, pastor. So we just uh, thank you for these other churches and the many others that are gathering in this time in this space and we ask that all together as the body of Christ in the Finger Lakes areas would be able to point to you in such a way that uh, people get a glimpse of the possibilities of having a relationship with you and what that can mean for life. So we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today's subject is prophecy. And again, it might be one of the most controversial uh, messages of the series, uh, but that's, that's okay. 
some may find themselves conflicted over the conclusions. Uh, some may say, I've never even thought about that. But if you've been in church world just a little while, two, three years, you start to hear some of these ideas, some of these concepts. And some of these concepts are, are met with encouragement and excitement. And some of these concepts are met with a fear and, and uh, just, just afraid. And what does that really mean? So we're going to try to reveal some of that uh, to you this morning, give you some principles of how to interact uh, with prophecy. You know, in today's culture, the idea of reveal is a big deal. Uh, we had that TV show that's no longer on. It would be home, uh, you know, makeover, uh, home edition, and they would always say at the big reveal, what would they say? Move that bus. They would be like, yeah. And then, you know, there's... Um, Fix it, what's the, I can't get it, fixer upper, you know, with Chip and, I'll see you guys know, I kind of sometimes have to watch that because it's on in the living room. But anyway, and what, what do they do? There's the big reveal. They kind of like, they move these big posters. I don't know if they have a theme thing they say. I was trying to find that. Yeah, there we go. See, <laughs> Bill knows. So if you have any questions about uh, what's going on in Chip and Joanne's personal life, just see Bill after the service. But anyway, so they say, you're ready to see your new home. And they, they move it. And, you know, this whole idea of reveals has just really crept into everything. And so, you know, prophecy kind of, in a sense, fits with that a little bit. But there's also this new reviewer thing. And it's, it's I'm just so excited that uh, Cindy and I don't have this pressure of this reveal. That's this whole reveal of when you discover what your baby's going to be. Is it a boy or a girl? And you watch these reveals, and some go really good, and some don't go really bad. Go really bad. And I hope that as we, again, talk about prophecy and the reveal that goes along with that, it doesn't go like this. Hey, Gunnar, what are we doing? Um, we're just going to see what the baby has. Okay. I think it's a boy. What do you think, Paisley? A girl. Harper? Um, a baby. <laughs> a baby? Okay. <laughs> it's a girl! It's a girl! It's a girl! It's a girl? Yeah. It's going to be a girl. Oh. Oh. It's okay, Gun. It's all right. I know I want a girl. I hate the one that's a girl. It's all right. I'm going to eat the cake. You're not going to eat the cake? You don't want the cake because it's a girl? I know I want a girl. It has jelly in it. I don't like girls. Oh, you like your sisters. Paisley, are you happy? Yeah, it's good. Harper, are you happy? I'm not happy. Gunnar, are you happy? No, it's stupid. <laughs> I knew it was a girl. I knew it. It's another girl. I hate girls. Every time it's girl, 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 girl. It's all going to be girls. <laughs> It's all right. reveal this morning is we reveal some thoughts on prophecy. You don't want to get up. You don't want to go. No, 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 no. You don't react like that. That's poor, poor Gunner. He's going to, but actually someday there's going to be a silver lining to that. His three sisters are going to have three girlfriends and then, oh, but it'll take him a few more years for that. So again, we're revealing, we're talking about prophecy. We're talking about how we interact with it. What is a Christ follower to do? If you're a person that uh, is new to faith, you're a person that's just trying to figure out uh, you know, what faith's about, all of a sudden, sometimes you hear these ideas, these concepts, 
And uh, you wonder, what's all that about? And so we're going to try to uh, have some uh, closure on that, some understanding of that. Well, so far, we've seen that Daniel basically is divided into two parts. Uh, there's examples of God's faithfulness. We've seen story after story after story where God steps in and just demonstrates his faithfulness. Uh, he saves the day. And it's amazing to watch Daniel and his friends navigate through all of that. And also then the next seven or the next few chapters really is about the expectancy of God's faithfulness. And this is where prophecy really comes in. And even calling it the expectancy of God's faithfulness kind of gives a hint to where we're going with our reveal to what prophecy is all about. Prophecy is really to have a sense of expectancy. And so we're expecting something. We're, we're hopeful for something. When we celebrate communion in just a few moments, we're going to talk about looking back, looking within, looking around. And then we're also going to talk about looking forward with expectancy, with hope. So even in a sense, when we remember the Lord giving his life for us and we celebrate that through communion, there is a part of that that is prophetic. There's a part of that that has expectancy. When we wrap that up, we're leaving this place looking within, looking uh, back, looking around, how we can share the love of Christ with others. But we're also looking for that day, sometime in the future, there's expectancy. And really, the aim of Daniel uh, really boils down to this, the whole book, both sections, the stories, the accounts, and also the prophecy. The aim of Daniel really is to provide hope and confidence in God despite the darkness or the darkest of times. And all of us have experiences like that. All of us have moments where it seems dark. Sometimes it's just a, a personal experience. Wow, life really is weighing me down. It is heavy. It is hard. Sometimes we look at our greater world. We see the evening news and, and we just go, wow, could it get any darker? Could there be any worse situations going on? And so the hope of Daniel or the, the, the advice of Daniel is really, as he writes his accounts and writes, shares some of his dreams that he had, is to give us hope and give us a confidence that God is still on the throne. God is still aware. God is still working even when times are really dark. So as we again, we look into prophecy, we come in, how does that fit with all of that? Now, I want to give you just a little taste of prophecy by going again back to Daniel. We're going to look at Daniel in chapter 7. And if uh, you want to really catch up, uh, Eric already mentioned this, there's a number of ways you can do that. Two weeks ago, we or so, we talked about Daniel in the lion's den, and the prophecy we're going to be looking at right now is probably 14 years before that happened. So you've got the stories, and then he kind of has, here are some of the things, here are some of the visions, here are some of the dreams that God gave me, and, and there again, they're, they're pointing to hope and confidence and trust. And so I'd like you to turn to Daniel or open up your Bible to Daniel chapter 7. Uh, there's Bibles around you, uh, page 619 in that Bible you'll find. Uh, the verses will also be up on the screen. If you don't have your own personal copy of God's Word, your own paper Bible, please feel free to take that paper Bible as a gift from Seneca Community Church. Also, uh, version is available. It's an app you can download on basically any electronic device, and then you can have a Bible with, with you wherever you go. So Daniel chapter 7, uh, page 619, and we're just going to read through a few of these verses and kind of read prophecy. It's interesting. A lot of us who have kind of dabbled in it or looked at it or trying to look at end times, when Jesus is coming back, many times we get a book on prophecy. We get a book on these verses. Verses, but very uh, infrequently do we actually go and read verse after verse after verse and just let it speak to us. A lot of times we go to a book that tells us what all this stuff means. And so for some of us, this may be one of the first times you've actually slowed down and just read a prophecy. And what I want you to do as you're reading it, if you're familiar with this one, in a sense, kind of put that familiarity on hold and kind of try to look at it with fresh eyes. 
What if you hadn't heard anything about prophecy? What if you hadn't heard anything about end times, Jesus coming back, all these kinds? How, how would, what would you do if, if someone sent you a letter and said, hey, you, you, know, you know, I didn't eat some weird food last night. I, 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 actually, I actually had this dream, and here it is. And it's about God. You know, you know what would you think? So here we go. Verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the other, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being. And the mind of a human was given to it. Any ideas? Okay, let's move on. Don't eat pizza, Daniel, before you go to bed. All right. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that, I looked, and there became, before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard, and on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. The beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule." Just imagine, this is when your child has this dream, they're sleeping in the, your bed with you tonight. You know, it's just, this, this is a horror dream. Daniel sees this. He, he experiences this dream. After that, in my vision, I, I, at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful, worse than the others. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims, and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and the three of the first horns were uprooted before me. The horn had eyes, like the eyes of a human being, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked... Thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. This is probably the first moment I go, I kind of know what that is. In other places, if you've been in the Bible before, the Ancient of Days describes God the Father. And so now all of a sudden, I recognize, up to this part, it's just, it's just wild. This is crazy. And all of a sudden, Ancient of Days, that must be God, takes his seat, his clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were open. This seems like maybe uh, the judgment words that the horn was speaking. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn, was, the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. This really refers to Jesus. We would say that because if you look at other passages, he actually talks about himself being the son of man. So now we, if we're just reading it fresh eyes, without reading way into it, without adding stuff, just trying to make stuff up, we see, we've, so far we've seen really two characters, two individuals that we kind of can identify, like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. And all the nations and people of every language worshipped him. 
His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So what do you do with a passage like that? There aren't tons and tons of them in our scriptures, but there are ones. There are Daniel, Revelation, Isaiah, Ezekiel's temple. I remember I had to write a paper on Ezekiel's temple, and the gist of it was this going to be a real temple someday, or was this a figurative temple, and all these kinds of things. I had to try to, try to figure that out. What, 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 what do we do with all of this? And it's interesting, when we're on the front side of prophecy, it is obviously extremely unclear. We don't know. Then when things happen, we can sometimes say, oh, I see this now. This connects with that. So, for example, as we look at the four beasts representing four kingdoms, uh, it's pretty well established that these four kingdoms, uh, first of all, the first one was Babylon. And if we were to take a look at Babylon, Babylon was symbolic by having a lion and eagle, and, you know, it came and went. But in that moment, not really totally sure about that, but uh, we would say today that was, that, that was Babylon. And then the next beast, uh, the bear, strong and fierce, not as, not as agile, not as graceful as a lion or eagle, uh, was the Medo-Persian Empire. And it's thought that those three ribs in his mouth may represent Egypt, Assyria, or Babylon. But again, you're realizing that after the fact. Before the fact, you'd be like, I have no idea. And then we get to Greece, which would be the third kingdom. Like a leopard, it was cunning, it was out, uh, had agility. And those animals uh, seem to go along with that. And if we look at some other passages, we'll see that it came, their leader uh, died with no offspring, uh, young. And, and we, we would say that was Alexander the Great. And we would say the four horns and other passages that talk about this uh, were the four generals that took things over after he was gone. But on the front side, it, it, would, it, would be, it could be an educated guess but it would be a guess. Now, as we look back, we say, hey, I can see that. It, it, it confirms that. And obviously, the last one we would say was probably Rome. Was probably Rome. Most people think it was Rome, but who knows? Maybe there'll be another, uh, another um, you know, uh, power that rises on our world, not the United States, not China, maybe China, maybe something else, and all of a sudden it will fit there. We're not, not totally sure. You see, on the front end of these prophecies, there's really, we're really not unsure. We're really unsure. And you say, well, well, I, I've read some books and I'm, I'm pretty sure. And, I, you know, with all due respect, I want to say a lot of that is an educated, thought-through answer but you can't be absolutely sure because it hasn't happened yet. You, you really can't be. I mean, it's interesting. Daniel, who I think had a better handle on the spiritual life and who God is and, and those kinds of things, Daniel really doesn't understand the details. He actually will come back and, and ask, what does this mean? What does that mean? And what's interesting is the answers he gets are not detailed. I mean, every time I think of prophecy, I go, well, let's see, where, where's Iraq in this? <laughs> where's, where's the Soviet Union? Where's this? Where's this? You know, I, and, 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 and Daniel doesn't get those answers either. And Daniel was the one that had the vision. I mean, it would be vivid in his mind. So Daniel didn't understand the details. We see that in verse 15 where it says, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. And that's where he says, the four great beasts are four kings that will arise from the earth, but the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. And it's interesting I think Daniel's like, okay, that's great. That's a great answer, but, but, but I want more details. 
I want more. I want more. That, that's not enough for me. So then he comes at it at a different angle. In verse 19, he says, then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast. That was the most scary. And so he wants, he wants to, to have a little bit more understanding of that. And again, we're going to see that uh, the, the, the angel or whoever was standing there next to him doesn't give him all the details, just gives, just gives him a little bit. Later on, he's asking questions again in chapter 12. He says, I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. And there is this idea that when we come to prophecy, it doesn't mean we shouldn't look at it. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be aware of it. It doesn't mean we shouldn't study it. But there is this piece that is hidden, that is rolled up until it is unrolled. And sometimes you and I can, can take these things and build more onto it than even Daniel was able to build on. Daniel didn't really understand and the bottom line keeps coming back is there's going to be dark times. There's going to be bad stuff going on. There's going to be, there's going to be powers and there's going to be nations and they're going to be horrific and they're going to be tough and they're going to be hard. And then God wins. That, that, that's the, that's the, the really the bottom line. It's not the details. Not, it's not investing all this energy and sometimes I feel and I'm not again not to pick on anybody but sometimes I feel we we invest sideways energy we invest all this energy trying to figure something out that I don't think God really intended us to figure out what he wants us to know is when crazy things are happening when the world seems its darkest personally worldwide, remember, I win. I have the answer. And so, yes, it may be interesting. It may be good discussion every once in a while. But to have it be the heartbeat of your direction in your spiritual life, you, you don't necessarily understand those things. Daniel didn't. Peter writes this, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to figure out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them, but that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of these things that now have been told to you by those who have been preached the gospel, the good news to you by the Holy Spirit said from heaven, even angels looked long to look into these things. Again, this idea, there's, there's, this, there's this mystery part, and that's not, again, not so you don't engage, but there are some things you and I are just not going to know. What Daniel needed to know is what we need to know. Evil, bad times, God wins. That's where he put our energy. That's where he put our peace. That's where he put our satisfaction. And yes, it may be intriguing, and yes, it may be interesting to pick up the latest read or whatever, but if you went back to someone who had been a pastor for, let's say, maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and you looked at their library, they could have tons and tons of these kinds of books that now are out of circulation because all the little thinking didn't happen. You know, it's interesting that um, in Scandinavia in the early 70s, there was this mega computer, probably not any powerful than your phone right now that's in your pocket, but back then it was the biggest deal thing, and they called it the beast, because it was so big. And, and when that started to get out there, they said, that's the beast. That's what's going to control everything. That, and, you know, and probably now that thing is probably in, in some, well, it probably was, could fit in a room this big, but, but uh, it's probably someplace and turned off. You know, but so we try to put meaning to things that we kind of try not to see it. I remember in Sunday school, uh, you know, when talking about Jesus coming back, they would say, Jesus can come back now. Why? Because every eye will see his return. Okay, so, what, what, so why do you think now? 
Well, think about it, David. Think about a class. What do we have today that nobody had back in Jesus' time or even, even 50 to 100 years ago? What, what didn't we have? TV. You know, the evening news. You can see whatever's happening all the way around the world. Of course, I didn't realize back then that, yes, the United States and Europe all had TVs, but uh, in the Amazon jungle, they didn't have TVs. But now today they do. I've been to the Dominican Republic and some of these places, and you can go to these places that you go, wow, how can they survive here? And you hear TVs, you know, they've got, they, they at least have a TV and, and, you know, with, their, with their dirt floor. It's kind of amazing. But again, back then it was, it's because it's, it's we got TVs now. Well, maybe, maybe not. And so they build a whole theology, a whole way of living, a whole way of looking at their life over something like this. The bottom line is things are going to be bad, really bad, and God's going to come back and save the day. Daniel, this is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. And for him, he, he, he could not reconcile what he saw. He asked, he got a little bit, but not that much. And that kind of settled the matter. He realized that God was in control, first part of Daniel, first part of his life, well, his whole life into his 80s. Bad times, God comes through. Bad times, God comes through. Prophecy, bad times, God comes through. You see, they all anticipated great trouble, all these prophecies, followed by God's rescue. And so we need, to, we need to be thinking about that as we're thinking about when we look and engage with prophecy. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protected your people will arise. There'll be a time of distress, such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Bottom line. I'm not saying it's a you shouldn't know about these things. You shouldn't investigate these things. But you need to take it with a grain of salt. Because, again, we could go back. Every generation has the books and connects all the dots. And now, a generation later, it, 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 none, of, none of that was accurate. None of it was accurate. You know, we, I remember hearing about the... the, the um, the 10 common, the common states, you know, in Europe, these countries get together. That's going to be the 10 horns and all this kind of stuff. All of a sudden, there was 10, then there was 11, now there's 12, there's 13. Now, they, I mean, it goes back and forth. You, you, just, you just don't know. Bottom line, it's going to get bad, and then God's going to deliver. Daniel 2, again, talks again about these concepts. Jumping right. So what, what are some of the prophecy uh, takeaways we can get? And you're, I'm going to fly through this, but uh, you're going to get these ideas uh, so you can think about it and wrestle with it and maybe have some more questions about it. First of all, prophecy produces reassurance and encouragement. It's, re it's, it's reassurance and encouragement. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things talks about the four great beasts, and then says, the Most High will receive a kingdom and will possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. So be reassured and be encouraged. When you walk away from a prophecy, that's what you do. And, and that's even what uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. Usually I read the first few verses before this, but I want to start with this. It says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now I will read to you what it says before that. What are we supposed to do with that? What are we supposed to do with these future pullback? Something's going to happen. What do we do with that? Verse 13, it says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in, in death, those who have died. So you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. I love this passage when I'm at a celebration of life, when I'm at a funeral, and the person knows Christ. I read this, and it's to give them the hope that they don't have to worry about death, that that, that person, if they've said yes to Christ, is, is with Christ. And so Paul is saying, encourage each other with these words, and here are these words he gave first. 
For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. We're going to celebrate that in communion. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own words, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Concept is you die, your body goes on the ground, your spirit goes to be with the Lord. I can give you other verses for that, but we won't get into that right now. So those people are already in heaven without their bodies. Christ comes back, their bodies raised, can't don't even really can't even figure out what that looks like, but that's what that's what happens. Those of us who are left, who have not passed away yet, go to be with him too. And as this is this verse, and this verse is unbelievable because there's whole books written on this verse. This is it. This is the verse. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. One verse. What what do we call that verse referring to? Some of you may know. The rapture. There's not 20 verses. There's not 10 verses. There's one verse. I totally believe that. But I I don't know if I could write a 500-page book on that one verse. I remember when I was a kid, when I was like 10, maybe 8 years old, and this movie came out, A Thief in the Night. Anyone seen that movie? Wow, they shouldn't have let a 10-year-old see that. It scared me to death. And then more recently, we had the Left Behind movie, In those series, that just taught me, always check and make sure your pilots are Christians just in case, you know, you're flying someplace, you know, and and then, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, just watch, just watch, just just watch these openers. Coming in from all over the globe, confirming it as true. The event seems to have taken place at the same time all over the world, just about 25 minutes ago. Life was filled with guns and war and everyone got trampled on. No place to hide. A thief in the night. I wish we'd all been ready. Now to the screen comes a powerful story of Bible prophecy. I know what's going on is evil, but I'm not going to join it. A thief in the night is coming from Mark IV Pictures in color. Please do not reveal the ending. Hello? Hi, Mom. Chloe, welcome home. So is everything set for Dad's surprise party? Uh, He got called into work. Can I buy you a coffee? I'm waiting for someone. Uh, My dad. Hi, sweetheart. Hey. Welcome aboard PanCon Flight 257 to London. My time today will be six hours and 30 minutes. I love you. People from all over this plane have simply vanished. Chris, let me in! Chris! I know you all want answers, and believe me, so do I, and I'll do my best to get them. I heard some doctors talking. It's not just here. It's all over the world. One of these days, the sky's gonna break. Chloe, are you okay? Yeah, but Mom and Remy, they're both gone. Irene knew this was coming. The way it happened. How could she know that? Dad? Looks like the end of the world. One of these days the sky's gonna break and everything will escape. And I'll know. Now, some of you may know these terms. I personally am a pre-trib millennialist. But... But I, I, I realize that that may not be exactly accurate. Until it happens, I won't know. Now, some are mid-trib rapture people. Some are post. I'd rather be pre-trib. I just, it just feels better. <laughs> but, right, it feels great, doesn't it? But, but I, don't, I don't know. From that one verse... All I know is this, encourage one another that you, if you've placed your trust in Christ, 
are going to be okay. You're going to be all set. Don't fight about this. Yes, have a position, have a view, have a thought, but don't let it be like the theme of our world. The theme of the world is Christ gave his life so we could have new life. And someday we'll completely experience that when he comes and sets everything right. You see, prophecy is to conform, is confirms that God is on the move. It's not to satisfy our curiosity. It's not, it's not, it's not to find out all those details. To know this, to know this, to know. It, it really isn't that. And again, we can go back generation to generation to generation. You ever heard of a guy named Mussolini? They thought he was the Antichrist. He was raising the Roman Empire from the ashes to Italy, Rome. He even had some documents that had 666 on it. There was a whole, well, obviously that wasn't the case. It's not bad to wonder about those things, but, but I mean, there was a whole drive that, that, that this, this, he's the guy. Even John had questions about prophecy. John the baptizer, John the Baptist. You remember he, he baptizes Jesus. Jesus identifies himself with us. We get baptized to identify ourselves with him. And things aren't going well in a sense. He's in prison. Jesus doesn't seem to be doing everything that he thought the Messiah should, should be. And so he sends some of his buddies, sends some of his group to find out, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? John the Baptist heard the voice of God say, this is my son whom I'm well pleased when he came out of the water. And so how does Jesus use prophecy? To confirm that he is the Messiah. He says, go back, report to John what you've heard and you've seen. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. If you go back to Isaiah, the description of the Messiah are those ideas. And so he says, John, that prophecy confirms who I am. Jesus himself, I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Over and over, Jesus tells them, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. I'm gonna, and, you know, and, they, and they just didn't, they didn't get it. You see, prophecy isn't designed for our curiosity factor, even though I'm very curious. It's to confirm. It's to confirm that he is God. And that he is Jesus. You see it again happening in Revelation. We're not going to go through all these verses, but it talks about all these things. And, and yes, it's good to be aware of this stuff. It's good to understand it to some extent. But, but, but we're not going to know for sure. It's to confirm. It's to say, wow, this crazy thing just happened. It rocks my faith. Well, no, no, no. The scripture speaks about that happening. But on the front end... We're not going to know absolutely. And some may say, wow, that's terrible. What are you saying? It's, it's just, it was not designed. Daniel didn't know. The disciples didn't know. No one got it right the first time. Why would you get it right the first time? Why would I get it right the first time? Why would I be able to read one verse, three verses, and come up with a whole thing about, and, and be, be able to draw it all together immediately? Again, it's fun read, you know, if you've read the Left Behind series, it goes all over the place. It's book after book after book. How many books are in that? 10, 20, I don't know. I sometimes, one time someone who was really into it, I said, I've got the final book of the, Life, of the Left Behind series. I said, oh, really, you do? Yeah, it's the final one, no more. And I handed him a book that was a Star Trek, you know, because it's like 2,000 years of the future because it just keeps going on and on and on. You see, no one got it right the first time. And again, Jesus speaks of this. I mean, just think of, of the Messiah. There's this concept that the Messiah comes as a lion and comes as a lamb. Over and over again, Genesis speaks of the lion of Judah, referring to Jesus. In Jesus' day, they expected the lion of Judah. They got the, the lamb. And aren't we glad we got the lamb? 
Because if we didn't get the lamb, there wouldn't be a setting right of our hearts. There wouldn't have been a payment for our sins, our disobedience. We needed the lamb first. And now we hope for the lion. But if it had been any other way, it would not work for us. We wouldn't be celebrating the Lord's Supper today. It just it wouldn't have flowed out of this way. But no one expected that. It threw everybody off that it would be a lamb, not a lion even though you can read about that in Isaiah and in Psalms. So what do we need to do? We need to avoid leaning on speculation. I think it's okay to speculate, but don't lean on it. Don't build your identity on it. Because, because we don't know. Deuteronomy read, God, our God, will take care of the hidden things, but the revealed things are our business. It's up to us and our children to attend to all the terms in this revelation. In other words, there's these things that God hints to, points to, encouragement, uh, confirm things, and then there's these secret things. So we just kind of go, those are things I I don't totally get. I I read through uh, Daniel chapter 7, 8, 9, and so on. And I see maybe, but, 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 but those, are, those are kind of the hidden things. But then there are the revealed things. There, there's, there are no doubt things. The things that say, love like Jesus. Hmm, what does that mean to love like Jesus? You know, what's the nuance? Do I do it here? Do I do it? You know, yeah, you know, no. It's obvious. Mark Twain even said, It ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. Think on that for a little while. Proverbs tells us not to add anything. Other passages don't add anything. Sometimes when we lean on speculation, we're leaning on something, we're adding something. You wouldn't want a doctor taking care of your health concerns leaning on speculation. Well, maybe this will work. Maybe this is not. You, 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 you would want, you want a little more concrete than that. You wouldn't want him making things up as he goes. Let's try this. Let's try that. You, you, you wouldn't want that. We have to be careful when it comes to this subject of prophecy and times. It doesn't mean that we run from it. It doesn't mean that we don't ever talk about it but we don't lean on speculation. We, we lean on the things that are rock solid. The exact day and hour, no one knows that. Not even heaven's angels, not even the Son, only the Father knows. Wait a minute, I can go to the bookstore and find out you know, all these things. Do you remember Y2K? Jesus is coming back. When was Y2K? The year... Wow, that's like 18 years ago. Leaning on speculation. And when we do lean on speculation, it makes Christians look irrational. Makes us look crazy. This is before my time, but I'm told that when credit cards first came out, people said you shouldn't get one. Now, there's reasons you shouldn't get one, but, but this wasn't, the reason was because we had something to do with the sign of the beast, and, and if you got a credit card, and you were buying into that system, and, and you, you know, what? And if you got the sign of the beast, the six, whatever that was, on your hand, on your arm, you know, now you can have chips in your, you know, all this stuff. If you got that, you're out, you're in big trouble. Well, if you look at all those passages, it's not like if you make a mistake, and no, these people were worshiping the beast, so they took the sign of the beast on. Uh, sometimes you and I will find ourselves uh, just, you know, getting tied up with that, like getting scared. That's not what it's about. Again, it makes us look, look irrational. Paul talks about, you know, false doctrines and those kinds of things and just stuff that are myths and endless genealogies and just go on and on and on and on, being aware of all of that kind of thing. It also produces more arrogance than godliness. It produces more arrogance than godliness. I've met some people that think they have the, 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 just the corner on prophecy, end times, Jesus coming back, and, and they're so confident that it almost seems, and I'm sure it's not in their heart, but it seems like they're arrogant 
They just, they just know everything. And, they, and anybody who's kind of like a little confused or a little cloudy about that, like Daniel, they think just aren't spiritually arriving. That, that, that's craziness. Uh, one time there was a doctor who um, liked to pride himself in being an expert when he would predict the sex, the gender of the baby. And so we'd be in there and he'd say, well, I think you're going to have a boy. They go, how do you know? Oh, I just, I just know. And he'd write down, you know, in his little notebook. And then, you know, nine months later, whenever it was later, eight months later, he'd, he'd be meeting with a couple and they would say, hey, wait a minute, I didn't have a boy. Uh, I, you know, I had a girl. And then he'd pull out his notebook and let's see, let me see, let me find the notes. No, see right here? I said, I said, you're going to have a girl. They go, wow. What the doctor would do is every time he stated what his prediction was, he'd write the opposite in his notebook so that when the couple would call him on it, because they wouldn't call him on it, if he was, wrong, if he was right, when they were wrong, he would show that he did right, they must have made a mistake. He just, he liked being so on top of the world. It often produces more arrogance than godliness. You will discover that your pompous pride and preserved speech are the very ways of wickedness that I hate. Anything in the spiritual world that produces arrogance. God's not cool with that. So even sometimes we get into all of this stuff and we look down at others. You see, for the Christ follower, it's good to have an idea. It's good to have a position. But don't lean on speculation. You see, we tend to miss the obvious when we focus on the obscure. Another way to say what, what Mark Twain said, you know, the things that I understand, those are the ones that I worry about. The things that I don't understand, not too much bothersome to me. We tend to miss the obvious, when we focus on the obscure. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for Daniel, and we thank you for the way he is honest. He, he was not totally clear on the things that he saw, that he experienced. He asked because he's curious, like all of us in this room. We're curious about those kinds of things. But like you told him, like you pointed to him, and you point to us, the bottom line is there are going to be dark and evil times but you win in the end. You, you take care of us. And Lord, I pray for my friends this morning and no matter what we may be facing, what we may be facing as individuals and in our families and our workplace and our personal life, or as we look at the horizon of the world around us, may we realize that it can get dark, but we trust in the one who is light. So we ask that that would give us a reassurance, that would give us a confidence, that we would be encouraged by these words, not scared and discouraged. Lord, we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.